What did you eat for breakfast? I had eggs and toast. That's our first question. First question done. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm nailing this thing. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 107. Sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and a range of other services. Go to theskinnyarmadillo.com to learn how they can help you get your merch business to the next level. If you enjoy the podcast, there are a couple of ways you can show your support. Go to the store at store.musiconyourownterms.com and buy some merch. And at the same time, sign up for the mailing list to stay connected. Subscribe to the YouTube channel to get extra content you won't find anywhere else. And finally, head over to Podcast Magazine's website at podcastmagazine.com forward slash hot 50 and vote for Music on Your Own Terms in their Hot 50 monthly chart. Joining me this episode is Acme Marketing CEO Stephen Volp and the legendary Dweezil Zappa to talk about their new venture, Reward Music. Reward is a full-service platform that gives artists all the tools they need to host their music, media, website, and everything else required to connect with fans in order to make a living from their art, without having to give everything away on social media and streaming platforms. Steven starts us off talking about the platform, his history in the music business, including launching his patented radial drum system with PV, which led to working with Dweezil on his Wiggy Amp. He also talks about the development of the platform that Reward now runs on, including a number of other businesses that use it. Dweezil joins us about halfway through to talk about the challenges that artists face today, especially during a pandemic, and how the platform will benefit anyone who wants to make a living from something creative, even outside music. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stephen Volp, who is uh, you CEO. I am a CEO. Okay. I am those three letters. Those are the three letters that I am. Uh, CEO of Acme Branding and uh, Reward Music, which we're about to talk about today. So welcome and, and how you doing? Very excited to be here. It's always great to talk about Reward Music, meet new people. And I'm also intrigued about what you do because we seem to be mentally aligned as uh, there we go on how to how about the industry and all the, the shape of things and how we can help artists get to where they need to go so thanks for having me no thank you so fantastic um so yeah let's start off with you know your background and what what reward is and what acme uh marketing is there we go well i was in uh music started in the music industry a long time ago um did my first artist model guitar with tommy shaw when i was 19. So we started doing things a, a long time, a company called Silver Street in Michigan. And then I got the idea that became, and I was able to patent the drums. It became the PV drums, the radio pro system. And uh, and I was still pretty young then, like 26, something mm. like that at that point. And uh, Hartley asked me if I would come down and help him get started because they hadn't made drums at that point. And I said I'd stay there a year. 
and then ended up staying 10. So mm-hmm. uh, spent spent 10 years in, at PV and ended up uh, kind of changing hats by the end of that end of that and took on the marketing artist relations role. And uh, one of the artists that I worked with was Mr. Dweezil Zappa. And that's how we became friends. We did an amp together called the Wiggy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that kind of started that thing. And then um, uh, wasn't smart enough to retire, probably should have retired after PV, but uh, had the idea to do this, to start this company. And, and so we started 18 years ago is actually the core company that started building this software and uh, started out doing a lot of automotive launches and a, big, a lot of consumer events. We produced national commercials for Honda and Ford. We did Ford Fusion Challenge and a bunch of bunch of things like that. And we started building the software, starting out as a registration system. And then mm-hmm. uh, we would ask consumers pre and post questions that would help prove that we changed brand perception, purchase intention, those sort of things. And kept building it and building it and building it. And when I was running marketing and working, um, like doing, working at PV, we had no visibility into why anybody bought or did anything. Okay. Hey, we sold some guitar amps. Great. Um, so, you know, if we can have Nate Mandel from Foo Fighters play your bass amps, you sell more bass amps, but any third grader can figure that out as long as you have to give, you know, give away too much to make it work. So yeah, not really right. like I'm a marketing genius. So I mean, we didn't really know. And uh, I think about three and a half percent of the people at that time used to fill out warranty cards. Are you old enough to remember warranty cards? Oh, yeah, I am. Okay. And, I'm, uh, I'm so, older than I look. Okay. All right. All right. I, and, I've uh, probably got some PV warranty cards lying around somewhere. There you go. So we didn't know much about the customer. We didn't know anything. And then uh, there was this thing called MySpace, uh, really letting out my age come out here. So, you know, many of the younger viewers will not know, but there was once a thing called MySpace back in the olden days. So, uh, we're, I was fascinated with what people would do with on MySpace. They would say things, personal things. I'm going to do this. I'm eating of this. And, you know, I used to be starved for information about our customers. I had no idea. Okay. So when I watched people do this, I thought, well, what if there was a system that could do this? So we started building it out and building it out and building it out. And that was kind of the genesis of, of transitioning from a registration system that did a few more things into everything that is now powering reward music. And because I, I tried real hard to get out of the music industry, I can't I can't stay away from it. Damn that mm-hmm. music. Damn music. Uh, I, I can't I really can't stay away. So we started doing started picking up some music clients, uh, the same system powers like ESP guitars and Takamini and GHS guitar strings and a few others and uh, that we've got in the industry. And but the love of what music musicians need to do is, is really, you know, been a core to us for a long time. And. We're not big fans of the Facebook machine, which is mm-hmm. uh, being sued by many states in the in the federal government today to try and break up. I don't know if you saw all that stuff. That's that's a big, you know. I haven't dug into it enough yet, but I will do. Yeah, uh, got it. So yeah, on the on the day of our podcast here, the the government is is a uh, you know the, the lawsuits all start to break up Facebook. So, mm. uh, so if you're an artist, you know if you pick. You can pick all sorts of different careers and you can do that career and there's a way to make money. But why, if you're an artist, you know, in order to get the word out or do something, once you go on Facebook, Facebook owns that information. Very few people understand that if uh, if Eric Johnson's on Facebook, then we can anybody can buy that audience and sell it to anybody else. Like that's how it works. Right. OK, mm-hmm. so. And people always think like, well, I, I don't care. No one's buying my audience. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I mean, the only people that are going to buy Coke is Pepsi. The only people going to buy Pepsi is co- that it, it all goes into that endemic. That's where it's going to go. And it's bazillions and billions and zillions of dollars as uh, you know, YouTube did what $5 billion last quarter, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it just, it's just nuts. And then you have, you know, how Apple pays out royalties. And then at the top of the, 
of the chart of how we wish things work differently is Spotify. Where uh, yep, that's yeah. a big big buzz. You know, right now where everyone's mad at them. For sure. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, not as people are getting off as that are actually mad at them, but you know, we you, you, if for the federal minimum wage of like fifteen thousand eight hundred dollars, it takes three point eight million streams mm. to make just minimum wage on Spotify. Right. Okay, and it's just those those numbers seem crazy. So if we can help with a system that lets artists make money, that's really what we're trying to do. So you know, like you know, it's you know, the artist makes the money and. So what are the tools they need? It's 2020. So the, you know, um, we, I've been on the internet a long time and have been around the internet a long time. And we thought by 2020, it'd be simple. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that so much of this is just sim simplifying, but it, it's so hard for the art, for the fan, started from a fan perspective. Do you follow an artist's Twitter, their Instagram, their Apple music page, their Spotify page, their newsletter, their, I mean, okay. Do you follow, you know, the band's page or the drummer's page or the, or, or someone else's Snapchat or, I mean, it's so complicated to follow. You know, the first thing is put everything in one spot. And then this, what we now call the connection economy. We used to be an industrial economy where things were made and sold and they were always sold through people and all these things. But now we're in a connection economy where everything can just be sold direct. Okay. You don't, yep. you don't need anything in the middle. Um, you know, I think we'll, we'll see a big shift even in major retail because, Black & Decker doesn't need a store to sell you a drill. They sure. can sell it to you, okay? So, I mean, things are things are very much changing. So we're in this connection economy, and we're just trying to educate people that you can sell this to yourself. You can do this to, you know, your people. And, you know, oh, I don't want to lose my Instagram. I've got 400,000 over there, but they're not buying. They're not your people. They're not mm. your fans. They're, they're Zuckerberg's fans. They're not yours. Um, so um, you can't email them. And you, know, you you can't talk to them directly. You can you can just post something and hope that they see it. And you know, are they all real or how how does that even work? We're trying to get people to look at a different scale. Where if you have you know if you can get like some just some subscribable content, get people to pay on our system two dollars and fifty cents a month. Just you know, get a fan to pay two you know two hundred fifty two dollars and fifty cents a month. By the time you pay credit card fees and stuff like that, you make a little over two bucks on that. So you get seven hundred fans and you're making minimum wage. You get seven thousand fans, not a crazy number for a you know a, mm -hmm. a working band. It's hundred and fifty, you know, it's hundred fifty, hundred sixty thousand dollars. Okay, it's it's a real living in America when the average household income is what fifty six, fifty seven thousand dollars. You can make money with just a you know a couple thousand fans will keep you alive, and you can do music for a living instead of trying to chase like oh I got to get my gram up to two hundred thousand. I got to get to this. I got to get to that. It's very attainable. So we just Absolutely. took on the quest of. But everything you have to have every single thing that someone needs. It has to be their email system. It needs to be their audio streaming, video streaming, subscription service. It needs to be their merch store. It needs to so every single thing needs to be in one spot. So it's super simple for the fan. And we have this big reward system all built in. So the more the fan does, the more they, they get back. So we we look at every single fan that an artist has, and we uh, we we rack that every single night on a scale of, of we take each twenty percent, like the bottom twenty percent, and all the way up to the top twenty percent, and make five different groups of them, and then we so the top the top percent get twenty percent off as default. Artists bands can set this up however they want, but everyone gets a discount. So the more you do for a band, the more the fan gets, and but it's okay. not set up on. It's not, you know, oh, I'm Dave Matthews' biggest fan. I've been to 20 shows. You know, when's the last time you went? Uh, 2012. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, you're not really, you're probably not his biggest fan. Okay, you know, so, um, so it's all based on, and we reward, we, we, we reward you for, as a fan, we reward you for like the more shows you go to, the more people you bring. We have a, 
uh, you know, Foursquare is like like check in, mobile check in, like yep. know where we are. So it's got like a, a Foursquare system. So you we can we actually know who's there. We know who bought merch at a show. We can track all of those type of things. So it's it's pretty deep. There's a lot there's a lot in it. But the goal overall is just to help the band, you know, help the bands make money. So and and just so you can, we want we want people to be able to make a living or or even you know get what they get what they need out of it. If if you've never ever we have we've got some emails from bands that have never sold music before. They got in, they got hooked up, and they're selling some songs. Like we sold twenty seven dollars worth of music, and they're ecstatic. They're having a right. blast because they're they've never they've never done that before, and they've never had a system. But so much of it, I mean, it's twenty twenty, and so many musicians don't actually have. You know, one of the things is you got to hook your bank account to your website. You have to have this path, a fan yeah, to your website, yep. website to your bank. Oh, sorry. And um, the so those are things. But people don't do that. I mean, an Instagram doesn't hook to your bank account. A Facebook doesn't hook to your bank account. None of these things are actually a path to you making money. Mm. So, you know, so that's one of the things, you know, that we just talk about in, in the early steps of setting up your reward music site is. We, we show you how to get your own merchant service account and how to hook it up so that well, your fan interactions and what they buy can go directly to your bank account. That is Mr. Zappa beeping at me. So I will send him your link here. Sorry, little editing for you to do there. So we, we had to build all the features in order for it to work. We really feel that it needs to do, it needs to do everything. And um, it's one of the things you kind of have to see to think about, but you know, you're like, oh, you have email. Well, Constant Contact Act has email. It's not really, you know, big deal. But when your email system is also your your website, it's also your community. Mm. And then we can know like who comes in, where they go. And then the fact that you send them an email and if they opened it and then who do they, you know, do they come back then? Do they, and, and, and then do they buy something? Do they bring a friend in? The, there's a standalone system. When you, when you have just a bunch of standalone systems, you're trying to run so I've got my SoundCloud for this and I got my, you know, my Bandcamp for that. And I got my, I got my constant contact over here and I got my, you know, my, my, uh, I, I got a website that I build in, in something I'm running, you know, as you're running all these systems, it's really hard to follow these people through. I use Shopify for my this or that, but you can't put all that together. You need a team of data scientists to mm -hmm. try and figure it out. So once it's all there, it's all one system. It's super easy. So you just see like, you know, we have a button who are my top customers. You know, we yeah. have a but. You know, we we can hit a button. You know, who's generating the most user generated content? That's a button. That's an easy. These things are easy to do and easy to find. Um, and we even help you. We send you an email every day with like what part of your website's working the best, what part's working the worst, and we'd help you just focus on the you know what's what's not working. That mm -hmm. one thing. Nobody has all the resources. Even Apple can't work on every. No one has all the resources you want. Okay, you know. So even you know Elon Musk can't make rockets fast enough, right? So we can't. No one can <laughs> work on everything all the time. So we just we tell you like, well, what's the lowest performing part? Work on that. Just work on that one thing. Just raise that up, and uh, you know, and everything will get better. And then we'll work on you know we'll, we'll fix that. And next week we'll fix something else. So we even have daily reporting telling you, and it's it's way deeper than like page views or all the the Google numbers, which came out of the printing industry and that stuff's 20 years old. Those are, I mean, the Google wow. analytics system is two decades old as far wow. as the concepts of, you know, all these, all these things. And it's, it's just so old, you know, Oh, bounce rate. Oh, what's your bounce rate? What, you know, what, what, what does that mean? So think about if you're going to buy new, some new shoes, any of your listeners out there, what's the perfect website? I go to shoes.com. Hey, look, I like those. They're my size. Click buy done one click. Okay. Google says that's the worst. That's a bounce. So that's you know. So what would be the perfect experience for a, for a, a for a consumer? Google says is the worst because oh this guy came to your website and, and 
and only you know only went one page deep and left in 42 seconds it's like yeah because he went on with his life and got gave, something done right they gave right. you money in 42 seconds right right so but that that is upside down to the whole entire mm. analytics model uh, so we work real hard on better metrics so and uh you know so we have statistics not even analytics analytics is a study of statistics google keeps all the stats hands over to you what you know no one actually knows what your website is you just get what back you get analytics back from google so um so google keeps the stats that's why it's free so you know and then of course they mine and sell all those things so i mean the amount of data being sold is so nuts amazon had to change its invoices so that it doesn't say your name or the product name in the email they send you you know hey your thing just shipped so they've taken that up because so many people have gmail and google can scrape and sell gmail that's why it's free okay so they're getting enough customer data out of gmail that amazon had to change it so now when you want to see your invoice you have to click in to actually go to their website but they don't actually put it in their email anymore hmm. that's the kind of world we're, we're under so it's a it's a whole new thing for the for the past over 400 years, whoever controlled the oil in the world controlled the money. But, you know, but just recently in the last like 40 some months, we've changed into a connection economy it was driven by data. So now it's who controls the data controls right. the money. For sure. And, uh, and this year we even changed, the DAO is always reset. A lot of people don't understand that the, cha the companies are changed all the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just, so they, they rotate them out and some as they go. But this year, the big change was we lost Exxon, the oil company, for Salesforce, the data company. Mm -hmm. So there isn't even an oil component anymore in the DAO. So, you know, so it's all about that data. So we tell our bands to just stop, you know, stop sharing data. Well, it's not like be like Facebook. Facebook doesn't share a molecule of data with Twitter. That doesn't share a molecule of data with Snap, which doesn't share a molecule with nobody, right? So they try and get like, oh, you got to share everything. Why? They don't share anything. No one thinks about it, you know? Well, I got to be on social. No one will heard of me. Yeah, because if Twitter didn't have its Snapchat page, no one would have heard of it, right? Oh, that never happened. But if Snap wasn't on Foursquare, Foursquare wasn't on Instagram, if Instagram, like, what? Like these companies, you know, you didn't find out about a social network on a social network. These companies, you know, they won't share anything. So, mm -hmm. but, but as the populace, we think we have to share everything. Don't share anything. Make it all, you know, so it's exclusive content. So... You know, and, and and people think like, well, no one will come over. It's like, yes, they will. They they only follow you on Twitter because that's where you post. So you know, put it on your own site. They'll follow you there. You know, well, what if less come? Okay, well, first of all, back to that whole thing. If you know, if we could get seven thousand fans, you're going to make one hundred fifty six thousand dollars. So that seven thousand one hundred fifty six, you know, that that would probably be okay. And uh, but they 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 come over, they follow you. We've been doing this a long time. We've been building communities. Because we have all community software, every single thing that uh, that uh, we, we don't like the word social network, social social media, whatever like that sort of thing. All media is social. Every, mm -hmm. every company that ever spends money wants everything to be social. Some some of it's more successful than others, okay. But all media is social. So taste great, less filling is social media, okay. Mm -hmm. It's been around a long time. We we think what they mean by social media is that when the web started, the web was a monologue. Okay, so you know somebody takes their catalog, they scanned it, they put it on a web page. You could go to that company's web page, and if you waited for your browser to download the download it long enough through your AOL account, it would eventually draw the page, and you could see that in a in a monologue, you know, catalog monologue situation. Mm. When MySpace started, then some companies went over there, and you could comment and post on things. It started dialogue, 
So I, I believe that that all all people when they say social media, they don't mean Facebook. They just mean dialogue that can be conducted in a you know a, a website, you know something on the internet that can be done in dialogue form. So you can have social media, aka dialogue, on your website. It doesn't have to be you know. Well, I won't lose. I'll lose my social presence. I'm like no, you won't. You can have all the conversations you want. We have blogs and forums and pictures and photos and videos and people can put up things. Um, we, we, we manage over a million different, a million fans for our, our clients all the time. So, you know, people come in and build ex very extensive, of, um, of profiles about themselves and, and they communicate with other fans. Our, our community even has, um, it's not, this is going to come out, I'm going to say it wrong, but it, when we built it, we called it our match.com feature. But when, when <laughs> we originally built the community, we would go like, well, why aren't people, people are posting stuff, but they're not talking to each other. Why is, why is Ed not finding Kevin? These guys like, you know, why, why don't they talk amongst themselves? So we built in, you load in your hobbies and your this, like what kind of instruments you play and all this sort of stuff. And then we smash that together. So then we'll go, Hey, this guy likes fight club and he plays an SG, you know, so it will recommend friends to you. And then that, that really kicked that off. So it's even sophisticated enough to, to look at he, who you want to be, uh, you know, want to, who you want to even be, you know, hooked up with, and that's sort of, that hooked up. That's the wrong word, but but uh, um, it's not a, it's not a hookup site. It may you know, not be. It may not. Right, right. So <laughs> it's it's it, but uh, uh, but it, it definitely puts people together inside of inside of worlds. It goes from there. I like the fact that you're obviously referencing Kevin Kelly's model of the thousand true fans. Um, that's where the numbers come from, by the sound of it. So so there's so there's him. There's there's a lot of our our. Uh, our Jesuses, our Jesus, whatever that word may be. Um, so Seth Godin is mm -hmm. uh, kind of like the father of permission marketing, that sort of thing. So, you know, so he said in 1999, I believe it was, that the goal of your website is to do one thing, and that is to get people to sign up, get permission, give give them permission to market to you. I read that book. I didn't get it. I wish I would have. I'd uh, I'd be retired already if I understood it at the time. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's what Facebook does. That's what Twitter. Does. Like you can't do anything unless there unless you sign up. So uh, so there's that, and then a lot of Malcolm Gladwell in our stuff too. So um, there's a lot of Gladwell. Have you ever read Tipping Point? I have not. Tipping Point's pretty fantastic. It talks about the uh, and it's something for every band, every musician to look at. So why a thing becomes a thing. So I think Gladwell's got that defined better than ever before. And it's not just about getting, you know, because like the like the fan as a as a single as a, as a as just a single way of looking at something. It's like a checker versus chess because social media is so is so for lack of a better word, it's so dumb. It's so ignorant and counting things as a like. Now Facebook doesn't look at it as a like. They'll, they'll give you a like, but behind mm -hmm. the scenes they don't the DNA of that person, but they don't share right. that with you. That's what, the, that's how they become gazillionaires. But mm -hmm. so, but we break down. So what, what Gladwell came up with is, is you need connectors. You need people that are, you know, that kind of works as it is. You need people that are connected to other people and all those sort of things, the right kind of person. You need mavens that are kind of know-it-alls, but they don't persuade, but they're the person who actually knows a thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then you, 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 uh, there's mavens connectors. You need salespeople. So that are constantly selling your product, but not selling like a used car, a salesman that will, um, if you went, if you, uh, went golfing with that person, you would buy that guy's putter, even though he just because of who he was and how he's using it. So Mavens connectors and salesmen, and you need the same ratio of all three. So when you're, if you're NASCAR, you've got a bunch of Mavens 
a bunch of people that like you know, been around sport for 500 years. They know every single thing about them, but nobody wants to hang out with them and there's no connectors mm-hmm. and there's no salesmen there. So you have to keep that balance like a three-legged stool. So we, our system looks at the psychological profile of all the, of all those, of all your members and tells you what you're lacking in or what you're doing or how you got, why you got to make changes inside of your website to get more salesman behavior, more connector behavior. Uh, so there's, a, there's a lot to it as far as the whole, the, the whole concept. So we look at it a lot, a lot deeper than whether or not someone is just, uh, um, you know, it's a like, so it, we, we can do, we can do better. It's 2020. So. Absolutely. So I, you know, I've read, read through some of the, the stuff on the website. First question that came up is, is you don't, you, you charge the, uh, the bands, um, on a, on a scaled tier, depending on how much they, how many members how many they have. They, yeah. yeah. It's members plus their, if they use a ton of audio or a ton of video media, uh, you know, of our space, there's a little, there's an overage if they go there, but for the most part, it's just how many members you have. Okay. Yeah. Cause it, it also said, so that for the fan side, it's free. Is that correct? Yeah. correct? Yep. yep. And, and it said, how do you make money, uh, by selling bandwidth? So if there's overages, you, that's where you make the money. Yeah. But we, we make it, it's, it's not, not that we're trying to get overages, but if we, uh, you know, if we're doing a big streaming piece or a big thing, mm. you know, whatever. So it goes from there, but it's really based on like just how many members, members a band has, but it starts really cheap. You can get your first 200 fans in and get started with every single thing the platform has for 20 bucks a month. So it, it's, yeah, it, which, it's, you know, some people might say, oh, it's another thing I have to buy, but, um, just reading the list of stuff, you don't have to have a MailChimp account. You don't have to have this, that, and the other account. You don't have to have a SoundCloud. You don't have to have even even a website anymore or or pay for website hosting or how are you going to do your streaming or how are you going to do a store or how are you going to do your shopping cart or how are you going to, you know, or so, yeah, there's no way, there's no way you can put it together using, you know, Mm. 11 different systems or whatever it takes for 20 bucks. It can't be done. Absolutely. Um, So playing devil's advocate though, how do you educate fans to come to the website if you have no social media presence? So, so for the, so it it isn't, so if we had 500 of the biggest bands in the world, um, at this point, the plan is not to have a central, a central aggregate site where it's not a Shopify, it's not Apple music. You don't come Mm. in to go, each band is siloed because we don't, we want that band to have their fans and their data and that sort of thing. Now, what we, what we may look at down the road is so is systems. So if my brand band wants to exchange fans with this band, or we want to help each other out, we're going to look at those, Mm -hmm. look at those things and we will expand the main site. So you can, so someone can say that you know, you could land there and go, what's biggest in hip hop, what's biggest in country. And you could find your category and start, start going to bands. But, um, so how do we drive, you know, as far as helping the bands drive fans to them, the first thing, you know, so just invite your social media people over. So post on your Instagram, say it's over here, post on your Twitter, say it's over here. You do that. And once you, once you move them over, they'll, they'll start being where they are. And then the other part is there's this, there's no fan incentive Every, everybody wants fans. Everybody wants people on Instagram, sign up, do my thing, that sort of stuff. Well, there's only, there's an infinite amount of people in the earth. Uh, okay. So, you know, in, in every time you even go on a website to buy socks, the first, they want to ping you with like, sign up to our thing and sign up to our, give me your email and sign up to our thing. So we can, uh, so the thing about the reward system is if you're a fan, the more you do, the more you get. And then if you want to bring your, your friends in, the more they do. And so there's a real organic way to bring you know, just bring your, bring your, once you get a few fans, they'll bring their friends in. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we'd like to think that if the internet was invented today, 
This is how it would work. So have you seen Social Dilemma? Have you seen that Netflix? Have you seen The Social Dilemma? Uh-uh. No. It was top 10 for about three months. It's worth seeing. Um, okay. Everybody I know that's watched it has either changed their social media behaviors or um, like got off it, that sort of thing. It's mm. pretty fascinating. It has... Everyone has opinions. I have some. You have some. That's why we're on this podcast. Okay. But um, the mm-hmm. um, but that the documentary has like the guy who invented the like button, the person who invented infinite scroll, the person who mm. built the first revenue model for Facebook for the first four years who really made it into what it is. And all of those people who did that say, we've got to shut this thing down. Okay. Hmm. We got, okay, all right. So it's, it's pretty fascinating when they talk about that and how absolute truths are gone because of social media and all the corruptness. And, you know, we're looking at, you know, both the left and the right right now want to abolish, you know, two thirty out of the FTC and all, all those sort of things. But, but the word that comes up in there all the time is humane technology. Okay. Mm. And so we, we focus real hard on humane technology. So we don't steal all your stuff. We don't sell everybody's stuff. We don't sell the band's things. If you're a member to a band and you want it there's, in your profile as a member, if you say, I want all the data this company's got on me, I want it, I want it back. You push a button, you get a CSV file, all, everything that's been collected about you. It's how, it's how the, the internet works in Australia, in the, in, in Europe, in the EU with what they call the GDPR, the global data protection act and mm-hmm. we wish it's how it, the internet worked in america i don't know that it, it will I, I there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of money out there um you know making sure that that it that it doesn't work that way but you know we we really work a lot we focus on what we call humane technology we, that we don't we don't steal people's data we don't sell your data we don't do any of that stuff we're not selling it when a band signs up we're not selling that data to you know, to a data company or to Gibson, none of that stuff is happening. It's that band's data. So our business model, because that's, if you read like, like Shopify sells your data, people go, Oh no, they don't. I'm like, yeah, they like, have you ever read the terms of service? Yes, they do. So, I mean, so many companies, so many companies do that. They sell what their actual business model is selling, selling the data. We've had companies, we've had music companies, Using our other, using our main software on the Acme Branding Company side, that um, they're unnamed, but we've taken them when we sign a, a new account, take them off the main shopping cart companies, and their sales instantly go up because now they're not having their data sold against them, and no one even understands that you're having it done to you all the time. You know, it's it's just you don't you don't understand what you know what's happening. You think like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything. It's illegal or immoral. I don't care how much data is sold about me. I'm like, yes, you do. So uh, it's you know, y- yes, y- you know, yes, you do. So, um, so, so social, you know, use it until we think that people, people's Facebooks and Instagrams will ultimately be like their MySpaces that they, they used to use them because there wasn't anything else, and that was the old way. And I know it's kind of strange because you know I'm 55, and people think like, well, you probably don't understand the internet. You probably have kids that <laughs> don't understand the internet, but you probably don't understand the internet. I'm like, yeah, we do understand the internet. And that model's been around a really, really long time, okay? So the Facebook, Twitter thing, post all your stuff, do all your stuff, you know, put your podcast up for free and hope you sell advertising against it later. All these things are very old ideas. So, I mean, with with a world of, of you know, when when that stuff started, there weren't even iPhones, okay? So mm. and you think like how technology's moved and what we're doing and the technology that you're using to record your voice right now and how it, you know, I don't know what's in your audio chain. I bet it didn't exist 60 months ago. I bet your A to D converter didn't exist 60 months ago, right? Probably not. Okay, because everything's just moving, 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 moving. Mm. But the Facebook, Twitter, social media idea is, you know, what Facebook's 16 years old, Google's 20 years old. These are old, you know, in the world of technology, these things are dinosaurs. So like, so we're just trying to get convinced people like, no, you can, you can do it better. And 
Yeah, there's always going to be people, you know, starting with Napster and everything. There's a lot of people believe if it's on the internet, it should be free. Everything on the internet's free. I can figure out a way to steal my, you know, I, I can steal my Charlie Puth record 5,000 ways. And, you know, I don't pay for music. I don't pay for movies. I don't do so. There's always going to be that guy. You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a human. I'm, I, you know, I was lucky enough to be born in America. So I deserve everything free, damn it. And that's just, there's, there's a part of the world that's that way. But you know what? Not everybody's that way. There are people that mm -hmm. understand it. Dweezil charges $3 for a track. It's the most expensive way to buy a track is to buy it from Dweezil. But there are people who go like, you know what? This is really hard to make. It's really hard to play. It's really hard to engineer and make and mix and these, you know, this is you know, that sort of stuff. And like, I'll spend three dollars. I'll do this, you know. And in in it's not like he, in like it's not like Dweezil's trying to become a bazillionaire. There's not, there's a very small percentage of the world that can even process a Zappa song. <laughs> so uh, you know, I mean that that sort of thing. But it's it's there are people that go, you know, I would like to reward an artist. I you know I I'm, I'm a part of this camp. I get this. I get this person. I like this. And uh, you know, it's so there there are a lot of people who are now who really kind of get it. They like the feeling of. Uh, you know, I, and maybe I shouldn't steal everything. Maybe I should, you know, I should do this. And um, there's just, you know, everything's kind of upside down. You have a, you know, if in, um, you know, you think if a lot of bands like will do a cover, I'll put it on YouTube. They're not trying to hurt that band, but uh, you know, Google run ads against that, and mm. the band makes nothing. The people who wrote those songs make nothing. And uh, so we're just trying to, you know, if if you, you know, even if you do a cover. Even if you don't pay the band, if you do a cover on Reward Music and sell it, at least Google isn't running ads against it. And they're five billion dollars a quarter, you know, ad revenue machine that is YouTube. So there's mm -hmm. a there's a lot there. All right. I'll stop talking for a second. Ask me another one. All right. So, I mean, you, you basically covered everything about the platform um, from that perspective. I mean, my, my original question was. You know, I, I get, you know, people bring stuff, bring their fan friends in. And, and for someone like, I don't know, let's take Amanda Palmer, who's big on Patreon. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, she makes a lot of money. She could quite easily move to the platform and bring people with her. But if you're a brand new band and you have outside your friends and your family, you really don't have anyone. Like how... Not, not to say that, you know, if you go out and play and tour and stuff like that, you're going to get fans here and there from the gigs. But if you're solely an online only musician that doesn't do live gigs, mm -hmm. like, and you don't have, like, let's say, you know, everything goes the way MySpace did and you lose all your fans. So you're starting from ground zero. How, how do you get people onto that platform without, you know, without some type of telling, you know, finding fans on on uh, social media or, you know, to w what's the, what's the way you can really get someone to follow you on, on a, on your website in this case, which is on your platform. But if you don't have anywhere else that you're appearing. So, so I get that. And that's, that's a thing like starting something from, you know, start, starting from, from, mm. from zero is it's a, every, but everything comes from somewhere, every, you know, every single thing, you know, so whether it's, whether it's ESPN or Wall Street Journal or whatever you're, you know, whatever, everything started with one person. Okay. Uh, but mm -hmm. the, the most effective thing is, is first of all, get all the emails you can for, get everyone's email, get all the emails you can and email them. Okay. And then come up mm -hmm. with a way to incentivize them to bring someone else in they all they're all going to have fans they're all going to have people so it's it's really no different than if you can you know if 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 you and i if if there's a pizza place and they're if, if they're open if they're in business at all there's 13 people who think that that the jimmy's pizza is just it right okay, that, mm -hmm. that's there so if we've got those 13 people and they like it that's all we need 
that's all we need because because all we have to do then is let, let those people give give a good incentive for those people to bring their friends tell their friends get that going and that becomes and that that's really where it starts you just start pushing that out and again if, if you're a brand new band and you're just getting started i mean the first target it, don't look at instagram numbers don't look at these things these things are these things are nuts we worked like you know we, we have a lot of experience in publishing we put we we uh, powered car and driver magazine for 13 years we worked with, like all these big hearst brands and stuff like this and 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 people think like okay so uh, car and driver magazine has what one and a quarter million subscribers but mm. but okay but then you know taylor swift has what 72 million on her gram okay you think these numbers are like okay but a, a magazine or the super bowl or an, any a, a tv show no one can say all time all time cumulative numbers it's one of the it's like one of the things like i want to we like to call like bullshit on social media if i can say call bullshit on social media because nothing else in if, if nothing else in all the world of media gets to use its all-time all-time cumulative number how many people mm-hmm. like coke on facebook i don't know 50 billion gazillion i don't know that's probably <laughs> pretty close um so the uh, but that's somebody had took cared enough at one point in their life in their life to click one time on a mouse okay and that gets added up and added up if i was doing ad sales for this 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 super bowl against a social media company who's also trying to do ads against the super you know all this content somebody said well how many people watch the super bowl now it's it's normally around like 50 to 60 million but i'd say 500 bazillion gazillions gazillion and somebody go oh, that's wrong it can't be that number i'm like oh, oh that's all time all time in the history of the super bowl because social media gets to do that it's just an insane mm. number so so we're not we're, we're competing against well you know after after 13 years i've got my instagram up to this fake number okay and, uh, but, but again, like if you're in your, if you're just getting started out, if you had a thousand fans, okay, just a, just a thousand fans and, you know, and, and, and you could get a thousand fans and, and what do you want? What, what's our target per month? You know, so $2 a month, you know, now, now we're making 25 grand a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, and that's, that's a lot of money, you know, is that, 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 that sort of stuff could change. Now we're halfway, you know, just that amount. We're halfway to the average household income in America. Okay, so you know, so it, it's pretty simple to go. That's the really the thing, Simon. Where we, people think like, I'll never get enough people. I won't get enough people. It's like, what do you need to make? You know, we our back end reporter tells you on what you sold today, or you could go and like look over the last thirty days or ninety days. It shows you exactly how much you're going to make this year. Okay, there's no other system. There's nothing else in the music industry that has complete transparent accounting and tells you how much you're going to make at this rate. And it's real easy for to, to back figure out. Okay, if I have a hundred fans, I'm making this. If I had five hundred bands. I'm, I'm out of my mom's basement or whatever, you know, whatever your next move is for you. Okay. Because the right. number that, you know, and social media is, I know I'm kind of rambling, but the social media has got us trained that you have to have 742 billion zillion people on your Instagram and your Twitter and all this, or else you're just not going to make it. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Even uh, one of the things we, we, we joke about is like T- Taylor Swift is, in the, is, is, you know, what is, is up there in money and all these sort of things. There are, there are, are in the top 20 in Twitter, in the top 20 in Instagram, not one of those people is in the top 250 in income. Mm. Okay. That's not how, where the money is. But Taylor doesn't have, she has, she has lots of money. She's got all the things. She's got all the fame. But there's one thing she, I don't always get in trouble speaking for others, but um, the one thing she wants is she wants her music back. It's been mm-hmm. sold twice now. She wants her music back. Why doesn't she get it? She doesn't have any money. Not, not that kind of money. Okay. And because she gave away her music, but she also gave away her fans. Now let's think about if Taylor was around Reward Music. 
So Taylor has last time it looked like seventy some million people. Okay, but on her, so she's in, in the top twenty. Everybody wants to be her. You know, uh, you've got Beyonce and her and Ariana Grande that are in the top all in the top twenty on, on on the social media accounts. But think about if she, if she was on Reward Music and she had that as an email. Okay, if she had seventy million emails of all her fans, now her management could go to Revlon or CoverGirl or whatever is the cool makeup. Uh, uh, so probably something cooler than that. But uh, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it be, if you had seventy-two million fans' emails, and they, her management could walk in and say, "All right, you know, you say, you know, Taylor's going to say this is the color red for spring," and you know, and, and all these people are going to follow, she'd have now she'd have money. And that, that's the piece of it where it, where it all comes down to there. That's the piece of it that that, that people are thinking mm-hmm. about. You know, you know, why why do you have to have all all that stuff? And we've talked to so many artists that we've we've got. Probably eighty percent of the artists are signed up on their sites ready yet, so there's going to be a pretty big, you know, there's a lot more sites coming in very soon. But we got some artists that are that are Grammy winners that are that are saying that I get I'm getting Spotify checks that are that are less than hundred dollars, and mm-hmm. that stuff is that just seems that's that that side of it is just nuts. So it's just absolutely it's just nuts. So uh, joining us throughout the podcast now is uh, Dweezil Zappa. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I just wanted to ask, since we've we, we've talked about the platform already, why now? Why why is the platform coming out at this time rather than you know? Obviously, there's a lot going on with you know with Spotify being in the news and, and what we've talked about already. Um, why why is this the time you're choosing to release it? Well, it's always been an important thing for musicians to be able to connect with their audience directly, but it's really been important because the livelihood of most musicians has pretty much been taken away from them. Just like small business owners who are forced to close their businesses, you know, musicians Mm -hmm. can't go out on tour. Their crew can't work. The musicians can't make money from things on the internet, just selling their music very easily. So we thought there was something that was really important to, to be able to try to help any kind of musician to give them an advantage in terms of being able to get them to reach their audience directly. And Steven already had some of the framework built into his hosting platform for his other business. So knowing him for what, 25 years or something around there, Steven, I don't know exactly how long we've known each other, but I, I assumed that, uh, you know, between the two of us and our experience, there was going to be a way that we could try to come up with something that could utilize what he already built uh, and and find a way to get it out there sooner rather than later. Because something like this, if you were going to build it from the ground up, it would take years. It would take a lot of resources and you know, it was one of those things that was available to try to turn it into something to help people. And um, mm. so that's how it came up. But we had a conversation in my kitchen saying, you know, we should do something because this is this is something that will help a lot of people. And as uh, as it turns out, it's very, very necessary at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, and to, to piggyback off that, I mean, I've had conversations with certain bands and, you know, that obviously music is an emotional outlet for a lot of people. And, you know, this doesn't really relate to your platform particularly, but I think mental health of artists is, is greatly affected because they're not going out to play. 
So something like this, you know, definitely is is very much needed. Well, one of the main things that is a challenge with it is that um, an audience needs to be educated a little bit to the plight of the musician. So much has changed in terms of how people perceive musicians Mm -hmm. because of things like MTV and then into the social media era. People have this expectation or understanding that if you're known to people, if you're famous in some way, that means you must be very successful financially. And that doesn't really, that that's not a real thing. You know, there's, there's countless artists who might be huge artists who have been ripped off mm. or haven't made money because they have bad deals or bad management or other kinds of things. So it's, it's kind of, um, it's very important that musicians have this direct relationship with their fans and that there's an understanding that the, that reciprocal relationship is beneficial for both the fan and the musician because you're going to get better music from that musician. You're going to get a better relationship and they're going to have a sustainable career mm-hmm. because that's the, the really important connection. And, and one of the, key features to making it work is that the musicians do have to have the ability to educate their audience and that audience has to then help out by telling their friends and educating their friends. And so the information that we've been gathering and been giving to people to give them uh, at least some guideposts to help people understand is that a company like Spotify they have a product that a lot of people like. People think, oh, great, I have access to millions of songs. They don't have enough time to listen to all the music that they have access to. Mm, for sure. And But they think, oh, this is a great thing for me. I just you know, connect myself to this and I can listen whenever I want. But they don't realize that the musicians don't get anything from it. So if you really like a musician or a band, you should support them directly. And one of the main reasons to really learn about why that is, is because if you look at the model of Spotify, they've taken music and they've just turned it into a membership service. So they get to make all the money on this membership service, but they're not paying for the product Mm -hmm. that they're selling. If they didn't, if they had to pay for all the music and pay properly for the music, they couldn't be in business. You know, if you look at the way a car company, uh, let's say you wanted to rent a car and you, you rented a car from any company, they still have to buy the car before they rent it to you. That's the difference. The car company still gets to be paid for the product they make, but musicians don't get to, uh, paid properly for the product they make, but yet there's a lot of profit being made on the membership of selling that product to other people. So it's the the value has been shifted over and the artists are not getting the benefit of it and and audiences if they really knew i think a, a good percentage of them would feel like hey the best thing i could do is actually just support somebody mm-hmm. directly and if they have that option and it's easy they'll do it totally totally agree so there's actually two two ways i, I want to go with that the first one would be like what's the 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 way you can educate the artists first of all in order to, to then educate their fans 
being on this podcast? No. <laughs> right. Well, yes, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, I think one of the important things for artists to realize, uh, and this is going to answer your question mostly, is that first an artist has to be able to recognize that casting the widest net, trying to reach the most people is not a very effective mm -hmm. thing. It, it really hasn't been proven to be that effective. So if you're thinking of it in terms of, let's just take a, a, you know, a raw number. If you're trying to make a dollar off of a million people, it's pretty hard to get a million people to pay attention on a consistent basis. Maybe you get lucky and you can get a million people to pay attention all at the same time once, but it's probably unlikely. But what if you got 10,000 people to spend $100 because you were giving them a curated experience and you have them much more excited and more connected mm -hmm. with you. It's a smaller audience for sure. Somebody might say, oh, well, just 10,000 people. I mean, that wouldn't make me a very successful audience or artist if I, if I only had 10,000 people I could reach. But if you had 10,000 people that were willing to spend $100 each year because they were excited about what you were doing and you had this relationship with them, you have a good mm -hmm. business right there. Totally. And that is something that is attainable for a lot of artists, but let's scale that back and you turn that into just 2000 people that are willing to spend a hundred dollars on something. Even right there, you can have a good business making money on music and you just have 2,000 people that are your, your main supporters. And that's the thing that artists have to wrap their heads around mm -hmm. is if you can get your core fans and have them support you because you have a relationship with them, you're curating this experience, you're in touch, you have music that you're making consistently, you're doing great storytelling, you're doing things that is binge watchable, things they want to be a part of, then... It's a different ball game. You have people that are there on a daily basis. They're part of a community. They're reaching out to other people that like the same mm. thing. And they're spending time in a place that's positive, that's that's making them, you know, get through their day and have fun and and be inspired by the music. And that's the part that the the musicians and bands need to understand is if you can build from that. 700 to 2000 to 5000 to 10,000 people you can do a really great amount of business but you can make a lot of people happy because you're doing something that's your best work and you're connecting with people mm. it's it's very different than just trying to say hey I'm going to do this thing a couple times a year and hope that I can get a, a million people to to pay attention especially when people don't even feel like spending even 99 cents for an, for a song, you know? So it's a very different concept, but that's part of the issue, you know? And I guess one of the other things I would say is that as an artist, you're being told to tell people to come find you at five, six, eight different places where that's just not convenient or, or helpful and if you were running a brick and mortar business like a bank, if somebody walked in and said, hey, I'd like to open an account, the bank manager is not going to send them away. They're not going to send them, hey, great, thanks for coming in. Now go to these seven other places. 
that's just not going to happen. They're going to take care of you right mm -hmm. then and there. And so that's another reason to think of something like reward music as great. You have one place. Somebody comes in and you take care of them and you don't need them to go all these other places. You want them to stay right there and you give them the full service. And that's the simplicity of it. But yet at the same time, we have so many services that we offer that's all rolled into one. So it makes it a much longer um, explanation for what we actually do. But essentially, you get to have your own broadcasting company and you have your own store and you have your own community. So you, it's like you have your own YouTube, your own network, your own Facebook, your own Instagram, all of these things rolled into one and you can have any of your content be made to be uh, subscribable pay-per-view or streamed or free or whatever you want to do. You can do music lessons. You can uh, do a cooking show. You can have live broadcast concerts. Anything that you want to do, you can do right there. And you can have it attached to your bank account. Now, if the internet was created today, that would seem like the most obvious and easy thing for any artist to do. That They would say, yeah, that'd be great. I should have all my stuff in one place and connect it to my bank account. But that's not how it's done. It's like everything else is driving people to these other platforms where they get to monetize it. The artist brings the people there and they get nothing from it. Absolutely. Um, so my other, the other uh, avenue of, of conversation I was about to uh, talk about was um, music is so subjective. So this might come across as a bit elitist, but because the you know the, the the internet as it is has kind of leveled the playing field for anyone to like knock on a door and make an album do you think that a, a, a platform like reward kind of puts that gateway back in place where the the people that aren't as serious or aren't as good you know don't want to sound you know elitist but the the ones that actually get onto that platform the fans aren't going to pay you know, and reward, give the rewards and, and, and actually purchase music for something that honestly is kind of shit. Do you, do you think that would have that kind of effect? I, I do think that anybody that's making music has the goal of making music that they, they will like and hope other people will like. So it's, it's hard to say there's no real accounting mm. for taste per se, but I agree that there has to be a certain amount of quality for an audience to, to be excited and get behind it. But, you know, there's probably songs that have sold millions of copies that some people would have said, that song's not very good. I don't think I'd buy that yet. It's sure. very popular. And the other thing is that, you know, anything could really be popular if it gets exposure. And so people are always looking for ways to get exposure. As soon as something seems to hit a critical mass, something that they didn't seem to like before suddenly is likable because oh well they, these people like it i must be missing something now i like it too uh but i i do agree that you know you have to have a, a certain amount of professional uh skill to be able to create something that that people are going to recognize and say oh i really mm -hmm. i can see what's going on there i like that and and the thing is, if you look at like a busker in the street, somebody that's on a corner with a guitar or somebody that's playing, you know, five instruments at once, just sitting down there before you get on the subway or something, these people, they have talent and 
if you like it, you see it and you go and you put money in their hat or in their guitar case or whatever the case may be. And it's the same mm -hmm. thing, you know? So if, if you can recognize it in somebody that's doing that on a street corner, you can recognize it in somebody that's made a video or made a record and they've put it up on reward or whatever else is out there. It's subjective, but you can recognize it to the point where you decide, okay, I like this person. I like what they're doing and I'm going to support it. And it, it really just comes down to an audience being uh, open to the idea that their patronage can really help somebody out. And if you like what it is and you take a chance on that, you're going to have that ability to, to feel like you, you did something that was positive, you know? So but I do agree there's there's going to be people that are going to look at it like, well, you know, yeah, great. You have this place where anybody can make music, but that doesn't mean everybody's going to like it. But if you if you're put in that position to to second guess everything, nobody would move forward at all. They'd be paralyzed, you know, being thinking that, oh, it's never going to be good enough. So I'm just not going to do it. So that might stop a lot of people who might be really good from doing something. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. It's a different um, place in time. Uh, there, there is no reason for a record company or an A&R person for development for these things because some people come fully formed with their ideas and they just say, okay, I'm making it. I'm going to do it. I just need a place to put it. And I think there's a lot more of that out there than we even know about uh, and I, I think that's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to move into uh, my, my standard questions I like to, to ask. Blue. <laughs> Blue? Okay, you, you win. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you'd give a musician looking to make a living from music? Uh, we both probably have one for this. Go, Dweezil. So I think the main thing is, and it kind of relates to what we were just talking about, the music that you make, if you feel like you can stand by it because it's something that you like, that's the message that's going to come across to people. So if you have that positive feeling uh, and the confidence in what you're doing, then you're going to attract an audience. And But at this point in time, because it's not really possible to do some of the traditional things like play live music, which is, you know, just crazy to think that we live in a world now where you can't play live music or you can't go to a restaurant, you know? I mean, it's, it's just really crazy, but being that that's how things are, you have to be a, a, a good storyteller. You have to be able to find a way to either do it in just audio or audio and video. And you need to be able to get that message out. And Obviously, we think it's best if you can do it in one place so that you're not, you know, having this fractured message going all around. But to make a living, I really think it's important that you you build a direct relationship with your fans because you need to be able to contact them. You need emails and you need to be able to have that back and forth. That's a permission based fan base. And that's the most important part of it. It's not about getting likes. It's about getting emails. For sure. 
Yeah, th that's to expand on what Dweezil's at. That's the, the two things I would say is just, you know, put your music out there. I know it's hard, but just, you know, make that music and get it out there. And, and number two is just start that email list and start young. When you're 11, 12 years old playing with a guitar, you know, or whatever you're, whatever you're starting on or, or starting to do mixes in your basement, whatever it is, get that list going, get that list going, get that built. That's the crucial part that will transform your life is because the difference between being able to email 15,000 people every month as opposed to 150 is it's not it's it's not a hundred times bigger it's thousands and thousands of times bigger because those people you know as they tell more people and they tell more people and it becomes a shampoo commercial but <laughs> that's how it works so it's it's really about you know you know back I, I, everything thing dweezel said is just you know find the guts to make your music and get that list going as early as you can awesome um i think Stephen, you've already uh, you've already answered this question earlier when we were talking about books so dweezel what one resource book, podcast, blog, uh, would you recommend to artists looking to be successful? Well, you know, I don't do a lot of reading in that realm. Uh, I, mm. I've had my own life experience to be able to have a frame of reference for things. And having been working on this project with Stephen for a while, I've become aware of some other things that exist in the world of, you know, marketing, for example, what things people really think work versus how things seem to actually work when you're dealing with people on a day-to-day -day basis. That's, I guess, one of the distinctions about reward music is it's not social media. It's a business. So when you are putting your music out, you're running a business and you have people that are going to be uh, supporting you and you have to actually be able to understand how to connect with them, especially if there's uh, a problem with the website or, or there's confusion because people are, don't understand maybe what you're offering and you have to be able to communicate with people and make sure that you have a good business acumen. That's something that artists generally never have to think mm -hmm. about. And it may not be the most, uh, it may not be the sexiest part of being a musician, but it could be the most important mm -hmm. part is that that connection that you make and making sure that people trust that you're going to do what you're offering and what you're saying. And so I think in that way, it might be good to maybe learn about those kinds of business relationships, how to, how to understand the communication side of, of things. So I don't have a specific book I could reference for you for that, but I think that that's one of the things that I notice that I spend a lot of time on just daily on my own website is when people make orders on there, I, I mm. get notifications and then I will reach out to them personally and say, Hey, thanks so much for your support. I'll let them know what new things are coming up. And if there are too many orders for me to do that all at once, then you know, I'll have to put it off and come back to it when I have some time. But I generally try to just mm. jump on it and do it right when it happens because we live in a time right now where that's doable for me. Like a day, a, a, a normal day, I'm going to spend the bulk of my morning trying to make sure that things are going well for the people that are helping support mm. the things that I'm doing. And it it's an important part of that relationship that you have to have. But again, it, it comes down to 
it's more than just making music and putting it out there. You actually have to make these connections with people and, and understand that it's, it's a business and mm. it's, it's difficult, but it's, it's worth spending the time to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, thank you so much for that. I think gratitude and, uh, you know, connection and, and being just being personable go a really, really long way. So that that's a fantastic answer. Uh, the final question is, what does music mean to you? I mean, it's the thing that connects everybody in terms of uh, it being a universal language. If you hear something that you've never heard before, you can connect with it right away, whether it has uh, lyrics or not. It might just be a drum beat and it makes you feel something and you move to it or you you start thinking about what it means to you or it somehow music connects to your memories and your emotional state and it is the only thing that can do that it's it's like a time machine it can bring you back to your favorite memories or the worst things you know it's it's a powerful powerful thing but it is something that somehow has been devalued yet people still crave to have it. It's the most searched thing on the internet, yet people don't want to spend money mm -hmm. to buy it. You know, they just want to have it because they feel like, you know, oh, I like it, I should just have it. But you can't go into a supermarket, for example, and say, I really love oranges. They should just be free for me because I love them. You should be paying for the oranges or, you know, the store mm -hmm. is going to come after you. You know what I mean? But the musicians they're working hard to create things that have meaning to them. And then it actually has meaning to other people and it's a powerful force. That's why they use it in movies to bolster the emotional content. And what, what do they say in Hollywood? That, it, it shouldn't be something that's devalued. Yeah, what, what do they say in Hollywood that, that video is two thirds audio? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is uh, something that, I think sometimes people overlook and don't understand what the power of it is. And there's been a few times where things have changed and heightened mm -hmm. the experience for people. It used to be that records were in mono and then they became in stereo. And then that was a huge change for a lot of people. And then there was the idea that you could have it in quad or you could have it in surround sound. And unfortunately those formats didn't, end up being a consumer favorite because there wasn't an easy way to set mm -hmm. the stuff up or deliver it to people. But now we're entering a, a, a place in time where using a, a standard pair of headphones, you're going to be able to hear surround music. You're going to be able to hear Atmos mixes that gives you the height that can go up and over your head and down your back and around your head and spin and all these things because video games and movies and all that stuff have those kind of capabilities when they're being created. So that technology is now in phones and computers and it's getting easier for uh, the average mm -hmm. person to just plug in some headphones and have that experience. So there's a very good chance that music will have yet another opportunity to, to reach people in a different way and have a new value because that technology will open up some different avenues. And there's a lot of music that exists in the world that can be mixed that way. Mm. We're talking millions and millions of songs and, you know, hundreds of thousands of popular records that have been done from, you know, the forties until now Yeah, stuff that can be transformed. 
And that kind of stuff is on the horizon. And I think all the more reason for people to start looking at the different things that can be valued when they are delivering music to their um, fan base. Mm -hmm. So the surround or Atmos stuff, or even releasing your music in stems these days, you can find raw tracks of artists online and people are used to the idea that, Oh, it's kind of fun to be able to hear some of these raw things. Artists typically in the past would never have wanted that to take place because you could be easily uh, pirated. Sure. But yet at this point now people kind of crave that control over like uh, having an experience to say, Oh, I want to hear the drums on their own and the bass and the guitar. So there may be ways for you to uh, do upsell monetization of your own music if you're doing it in stems. And there's things that people can think about that previously nobody would have ever thought was a good idea, but now it's, it may be a good idea for people to think about making their music that way. Um, just because people, consumers, if they're willing to pay a premium for it, it might actually be in an artist's benefit to do something like that. Sure. Thank you so much for that. Right. Steven, what does music mean to you? Ultimate connections. That's the, that's whether, whether it's, it can connect you with the band when the, you know, when you're at a show, just you to the band and we can feel it with a live music piece. It's, uh, it's, it's the, the, every time I'm 55 years old, every time I listen to New World Symphony, I can't listen to it loud enough. And, and that to me is like the most rocking piece of music ever made. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, so what it makes you feel in there, but then when you're, when you're at a show or you're, whether you're in a band and you play and connect, you're at a show when you connect as you're listening to, watching the people, it is that ultimate connector. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, those with much better words than I have said it much, you know, much other ways. Um, and then you have sometimes, you know, this guy named Frank Zappa once said music is best. And, uh, um, so, you know, there's all those things to do, but it, it's, it's, there's nothing else like it. And, uh, you know, it, it won't give us life. We need to eat and we need to do all these things. We have to take care of each other. And you talked about the mental side of all the things, but that connection side of it all is, it's so, it's so incredible. And a song can mean it can, it is, is it strange how I can have a song and, and you can like the same song and it can mean different to us, but then at the same time when we listen to it together, it can also put us together, even though that song means one thing to you, you know, it, and, and it means a different thing to me, but then when we listen to it together, you know, we also have a bond and yeah, there's, there's nothing else that's really, that, that's really, really like that. And I don't know why. If, if we go out and have, if we both like the same thing, we can go to a restaurant and we can eat it at the same time. And I'm enjoying the bites and you're, oh, it's really good. Oh yeah, the chef was on it tonight. This is fantastic. So you have that. But if it's if it's music, the difference is, is that communally, we're both also tasting it at the same time. So I'm tasting yours, you're tasting mine, but we're also ex experiencing it together. Mm -hmm. And there's really nothing else that can hook like that. So in order to keep it kind of short, it's just, it's the ultimate connector. And that's the great addiction because there's just nothing else you know, I I tried to get out of it. I was in the music industry, left, and it, I couldn't I couldn't even leave it when I wanted to. <laughs> and uh, I I can't stay away from it. Nothing else. There's just nothing else in my gut that makes you feel that way. And that's back to that opening statement, like the goal of reward music. And I know we're kind of we're running out of time here, but the uh, you know we've had a couple of bands email us that that are, you know they've sold twenty some dollars worth of music and they're ecstatic. They love this platform. They're finding fans. They've 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 made money. They've never made money before. And yes, we, we've got a lot of money invested in this and we hope to be successful and blah, blah, blah. But honest, but if I could live 
of what it makes me feel like to read that email and Dweezil's the same way because we really wanted to help people you know we, we we think we know something but instead of just spewing stuff and like no let's actually create somebody that here's a palette that, that will actually change your music career this will actually you can use this it will help you wherever you want to go it will help you it'll take work everything takes work you know bummer but it could take some work you got you got to do all the stuff every day but if you do it you're going to get the reward okay mm. so and, and that's the piece of it that's just so you know and that's what, what's so rewarding for us because now we got this platform and bands are joining people are going on and it just feels good and uh you know and that that's that's the piece of it that you know the more as every day it gets a little bigger more bands come in more things happen and it it is and it is it immensely satisfying that's awesome thank you so much um and where can people find out about the platform and then maybe get in touch and and anything else you want to give a shout out to just www.rewardmusic.com it's all there and uh if you go there you can obviously join for your band sign up start you know you get 30 days for free to get the platform figured out um and get it going from there it starts at just 20 bucks a month but then you can also just sign up for more information so just uh, that'll put you on our list and uh, as we've got lots of things in the works and lots of things coming in the next couple of weeks so just you'll know, sign up there and you'll you'll get you'll you'll find out everything about it and you'll, you know that'll be the path to hopefully you know a music future that you've never had before that's fantastic thank you so much you know the other thing to keep in mind real quick too is that um it's built for musicians it's built for independent artists but if you're a label artist it can work for you just as well and it can create an easy relationship between you and your label because let's say for example you're signed to a label and they control three of your records but you have three more that are your own intellectual property on one platform one your same website the label can receive the funds for the records that they're um, responsible for. And you as the artist can have a separate account that's tied to you for your other music that the label has nothing to do with. So we've looked at all these ways to make it possible for artists of every genre and every level of success, whether you're just starting or whether you're a label artist and it has transparent accounting and it just makes it very easy for everybody to see what's going on and bring everybody to one place. So there's no reason to be not considering reward as a platform if you have a label deal or, you know, a lot of people are like, well, but what if I don't have enough material or what if I don't have enough stuff to bring people there? Well, you're going on social mm. media so, you know, you're just putting it on there and just putting it out there for free, but why not have it at one place and take your social media and say, Hey, everybody, I've got this stuff. You can come support me directly at this one place. And that could be your reward music um, page. And the only other thing I was going to add to that is that other businesses can also benefit from something like this. For example, like a recording studio, Sunset Sound is a very famous recording studio in Los Angeles where Van Halen and many other artists recorded multi-platinum albums. And it's got a history of multi-platinum albums going all the way back to 1960. And they, as a, a production facility, were looking for a way to be able to do live concerts that they could broadcast from their studio. So they're going to get the optimized sound but they wanted an easy way to be able to just 
deliver that great sound and production value to an audience and have it connected to one simple thing that they could keep track of. So they're using reward music as a destination uh, platform for people to come see what's happening in their studio and for artists to work with them and do live concert broadcasting. So studios around the world could be using mm. this platform for that. It can solve a lot of the connectivity issues that they have in trying to think of how they can do that. This does it all in one place. And you have ways that you can easily work with artists to do revenue sharing uh, concepts. And there's just so many tools that are involved in this. It's really worth taking a look at. And that's, you know, that's another thing that really just makes this important. So even if you're a record producer or an engineer, you have the ability to also use this platform to communicate with people and, and sell your services in a way that makes it very easy to uh, share files that are not transcoded. And it has, beyond just being used for a standard musician's set of tools, this can be expanded on and used for other purposes um, that are related yeah. to music. So it's definitely something bigger than uh, than we can explain, but I'm trying to give people uh, you know enough information so that they can start thinking about it in, in a way that would work for them. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so that other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians community collectively learns, the stronger we will all become. A rising tide lifts all ships. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Dweezil Zappa with Squeegee.